Hello. And we're back. Welcome to episode three of the Jits Blues. I'm the smart one, Kelsey. <laughs> I'm the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can have that be our intro every time. But. No, probably not. <laughs> That's toxic of you to say. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Speaking of toxicity. Toxic masculinity. This is really interesting. I think uh, I'm really excited about this episode. Here comes the deep water. <laughs> like before talking about our trauma wasn't deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This actually might go into some trauma, I think. Really? For both of us. I'm excited about this yeah. one. So I have a question for you. Okay. Do you consider yourself a feminist? The de definition of a feminist yes. is a human being, yes. not a woman, Yes. a human being that believes in equal rights for women. Mm -hmm. So by that definition, of course, of course I'm a feminist. Like I have a mother, I have a sister, I have a wife, I have aunts and cousins that I love very, very much. I don't like talking too much publicly about my mom and my sister because I start to get very emotional because I look up to them very, very much, but we're going to be talking about that today. Okay. So when I think of that term feminist, yeah, I am one. Right. I just don't like what it's become. And to you, what has it become? Like, I, what do you not like about it? I've seen it turn into a man-hating movement that have invented the, I don't know if they've invented it, but they've kind of weaponized the term toxic masculinity in, oh. into something that is negative. Yeah. I think masculinity is something that should be sought after um being masculine is not just big strong tough guy right toxic m men are the problem are a problem so do you think that so you think toxic masculinity exists i think toxic people exist okay and i think but i think toxic masculinity definitely does exist okay. yes but to answer your first question yes I'm okay. a, i am a feminist okay yes i love women <laughs> so I much. Know you love women. That's why we're talking about toxic masculinity yeah, today. Love women. <laughs> um, yeah, I because I like I know that we have talked about vaguely these subjects before. Yeah. But I, I realized that I'd never straight up asked you if you consider yourself a feminist and if you think toxic masculinity exists. Yes. You, you've, we've never had this conversation. So this is going to be an interesting one. It is one. going to be an interesting I feel like you're going to be interviewing me a lot in this one. <laughs> no, I think you should ask me questions I will, too. I, I think will. that this should be like, you know, a back and forth kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so to you, what is toxic masculinity? Toxic what would ma you... Toxic masculinity is anything that I would say... It's tough to say because some people think gender or believe that gender is a social construct. So what is a man? Like, are we going to talk about that as yeah, well? Yeah, let's like, do it. Okay. So what's gender? What's, uh, <laughs> we, we'll stick to one thing. <laughs> I'm so, like, let's bring yeah, it let's on. Bring it. Let's go. Um, so men, I like t anything that is like, what is, the, let me just look it up here. Okay. I think, cause I Googled it and I'm like, this will help me with my thoughts. So controlling people, acting aggressively, suppressing emotions, trying to appear tough, Treating sex as a competition, feeling entitled to sex, um, using threatening violence or violence, using power over women and weaker men. Those are all great examples and I agree with all of them. So yeah, I think all of those are good examples of toxic masculinity. 
Um, I just think anybody that exhibits toxic masculinity are just shitty people or just shitty men. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. But here's know. the thing is that, you know, from a women's perspective, at least from my personal, you know, perspective, I think that like toxic masculinity is one of those things that, to be honest, almost all men exhibit from time to time. I agree. So are all men, you know, toxic, toxic, which I'm not saying that they are, but I'm saying that like people do like men are socialized into doing shitty things to having shitty opinions of women and also to having shitty opinions and shitty ways of like treating themselves and treating each other. Yeah. You know, I, yes, I agree. I think those are good examples. Um, just shitty men are a problem. And how do we com- combat that? Is it with weaker men? Because what is weaker? No, what like, is weaker men? It's, I don't think it's like about like strong versus weak, but I think that like we need to expand our view of a few things. Yeah. One of them being what masculinity is. Yep. You know, uh, I think we need to expand our viewpoint of like what f- being feminine is, what yep. gender is in general, and our social roles with each other and how right. we interact with each other. Because I think part of why we got into this mess is like men thinking that they just need to be like, you know, masculine all the time and not having a healthy understanding mm-hmm. of what masculinity can be or should be, you know? Right. So if gender even exists, because gender, like, yeah. let me tell you, your girl is not necessarily in on that one. Okay. All right. Story time. Yeah. My, so my dad is an immigrant from Trinidad and Tobago. Yes. So his parents, um, my grandpa and grandma were born and raised in Trinidad and they're descendants of slaves. So dad, so grandpa was, or still is, he's a very devout pastor, like Christian, uh, like gospel preacher. Mm -hmm. And Trinidad and in the Caribbean, there's a lot of uh, like battles of like Christians and black magic and voodoo stuff from like Africa, because that's where a lot of the slaves came from. So Grandpa established himself as kind of like a celebrity in Trinidad and Tobago. Like everywhere he went, my dad went, I went there like 20 years ago and people knew who I was. I'd mm-hmm. never been there. They'd be like, oh, that's Pastor Franco's son or grandson. So growing up, there was an expectation that my dad and my aunts and uncles, you will not step out of line. You represent the family name. You represent our religion, our church. My, my dad said that he got beat. Like, he's like, I don't even know what I did. Right. And it's only been recently in these last five to 10 years that my dad's really told me about, about it. He never mm. spoke about it growing up. Yeah. And, um, and so he never laid a finger on me. Yeah. Growing up. And I was a little shit. Surpri- I surprisingly. <laughs> no, shocking no one. Shocking, my, <laughs> my dad never, like he yelled at me maybe a couple times yeah. and I remember them. Yeah. Um, but he never hit me, never used the belt, never spanked me. That was all mom. Mm. Mom was this tough farm girl from Saskatchewan, from like a little town in Saskatchewan, had three or two other sisters. Grandpa and grandma were very like disciplined. And same thing, very like devout Christians, very like you won't step out of line. And so that mentality kind of carried over from my mom. But my dad was so broken from my grandfather that he, I think when he married mom, he's like, you can do all the discipline. He's like, 
I'm out of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want them to ever be afraid of me. So it's only been recently that my dad and I have been able to like really open up because he's always been a very closed book because he's dealt with a lot of stuff like that. The racism that he endured, like endured coming to Canada in the 80s, like he lived in Saskatchewan. Like Saskatchewan is a very like volatile place very, to live. Very like white place to live. Very, a lot of like Swedish, a lot of Scandinavian um, people. And, but then there's those pockets of all the native reserves mm-hmm. that are around and they're segregated. Mm-hmm. So go him living there didn't last very long because he couldn't, he couldn't live there. So growing up in the 90s, my dad fell in love with actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mel Gibson. I grew up watching all those movies as like a young kid. Very so macho. Very macho, yeah. like jacked, shredded on steroids. I'm like, these are men. These are men. They're saving their women. They're killing their enemies. That to me was what a man was. And it's not necessarily my fault or anyone's fault growing up in the 90s because that's what that's what society said yeah. was manly. And so I remember watching Braveheart. I think I was like eight. And that is a freaking violent movie. Like guys are getting their heads chopped off, their legs chopped off, public executions. I remember seeing like the scene where this guy slits a girl's throat and you see it. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that at like eight or nine years old because I think it came out in like 96, 97. So I was around that age. And I remember watching Terminator and all these movies. So you have that mentality of like, these are men. And I remember growing up seeing Braveheart and I'm like, I want to have a, a woman in my life where if she ever gets hurt, I'm an adventure. I remember that mentality of like, that's what I want. That's right. what I thought. That's what I thought women wanted. Yeah. I thought they wanted a big, strong man. And then growing up, like we said in the other podcast, I wasn't a big, strong guy. Growing up, I was small. I was bullied. I was made fun of. Um, I never got really beat up, but I got like threatened and cried all the time going home because I was terrified to go back to school. So that kind of those movies and the, those actors and celebrities that I looked up to, that my dad looked up to, kind of formulated a persona and kind of my outlook on what men were mm. at that time. So here's an interesting question. Who would you, just because I've made it my mission now to have at least one pop culture reference <laughs> in every podcast that we do. I can make a pop culture reference for everything. Perfect. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, who would you, and I think it's also an interesting conversation to start, who would you identify as pop culture references of positive masculinity? Positive masculinity? Yeah. And I know that, I think this is a really difficult question to answer. Which is sad when you think about it. You're not going to like my answer. Oh, no. I have two. I have three. Okay, let's hear him. And they're so bro, but they... <laughs> I might be into it. I don't know. Okay, so I know you don't like this person. Oh, no. So Jordan Peterson. Are you serious? That's your, like, well, he's not example my number one. positive masculinity? I think the most positive masculine guy that I can think of right now is Joe Rogan. Because let me let me explain. 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 What? So he's opened my eyes for you can be a fucking badass assassin like motherfucker. Like he is. He cries a lot. 
And is this how low the bar is? <laughs> it is the bar low. is like you have to be able to show an emotion that's not an anger. emotion. <laughs> as long as it's not anger, you are you're good to go. I think he. Man. I think he's shown. You can put your tea bag in here, by okay. the way. I keep seeing you playing. I know. With I like it. to play with it. Um, he is very open in his conversations, from what I see of being understanding and allowing people to have their opinions and letting them like he he shuts up a lot and lets people talk and then he com like, comes back with his rebuttals and things like that um i was never like that i always thought oh, shut up you're wrong here's why i'm right right so i feel like that is a positive way of looking at things and like watching him interview people like he saw when he was talking about rose nami yunas winning the belt and he like breaks down crying about like how she's not violent in real life she's a, an amazing human being he like straight up cries and like his voice breaks and all of that like i'm like that is pretty impressive from a guy like that he's a fucking cage like fighter commentator <laughs> stand-up comedian and they're supposed to have fear like zero host. fear factor host. he's <laughs> supposed to have zero emotions like not be easily broken right when i see that i'm like that's a good example for a lot of his bro gym bro um super testosterone fueled fans which i am one <laughs> but um i I, I think he's a good example of like where that's a positive step in the right direction i don't think he's going to be the gold standard okay good yeah <laughs> but i think he's a good example for me of like it's okay to want to be like a savage like a badass right but at the same time there's a balance Yes. Um, yes. And so I, I look at another positive masculine person would probably be my dad. That's a nice answer. Yeah, um, yeah. He's not a celebrity. He's not famous. But he's the kind of guy where he got a job that he has been laid off seven, eight times growing up. He's a welder. He, he will he wakes up four o'clock, four thirty in the morning every day for like thirty years. Right. Never called in sick. Shows up, does his job, and did everything that he could to support me, my mom, my sister, and everything that we wanted to do. My mom's the breadwinner. Like she right. she's a badass like nurse for like thirty years at the university hospital. But he's shown me, he's like, I you need to work hard. He's right. like, you need to get your education. You need to get a job. He always said to me, I always want you to have a job where you don't have to work hard like me. Mm. And by that, I think he means like standing up on your feet, welding in heat and in dangerous situations, like at any time, like things could happen yeah. in like a welding shop. So I think he's a very positive person for me to look up to. And he's very like an emotional guy. Like, yeah. When he talks about things that kind of hurt his feelings, he will stop talking, he'll wipe his eyes, and then he's like, I gotta go upstairs. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. he'll like leave. So he's not been, he was never taught positive communication. Um, so I never learned that in my house. Yeah. And so I had to look at people like Rogan, who, um, and Jordan Peterson, and then Jocko, I think, is another, he's very. Jocko, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. You'll give me that one? Yeah. He's very. I don't see any emotion out of that guy other than just he's, fucking extreme yeah. ownership. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he's not the kind of guy that's always in attack mode. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that's you, he's understanding. Yeah. He shows that it's important to listen to people. And that's something that's lost on a lot of men is listening and l positive communication with their spouses, 
in my experience, their partners, their partners, their dating yeah. partners, their dating partners. I think that's yeah. a huge one. Other men, I think, is a huge one. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that like your examples and the things that you talk about when it comes to positive masculinity are work ethic. Yeah. Emotion, and daddy, clean your room, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Clean your room before you start poking at anybody else. I love that. Yeah. Like I always like, okay, so I think we should have a whole episode about Jordan Peterson himself because I have some, we have some issues. I think that we need to air about I it. I love him and you do not. I don't. I don't. <laughs> and you know where a lot of that comes from um, is just like where his whole basis of is just being a contrarian about people trying to live their own lives and their own identities and truths and him being like, I'm sorry, but for like, you can call it whatever scholastic mumbo jumbo name you want to throw on it, but it's just being, as far as I'm concerned, like hateful towards a group. I can see how you could, uh, come to that. I don't think that there's any other way to cut it though. Yeah. You know, like, and so his whole, like, rise to fame has been based on him being discriminatory towards like a marginalized group which like how can that be like an example of positive manhood i think sorry no go ahead i think from what i have heard from him and what i listen to and what i agree with is nobody has the right to tell anybody what to do what to say and what to think and I think that was part of his rise to fame was the whole, uh, I think it was Bill C-16? C- C-15? C-15. It was the compelled speech law, mm-hmm. which was, how dare you tell me what I can and cannot say? I don't get to do that to you, so why should you have the right to do it to me? I'll keep going. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, I will call you whatever you want me to call you right. if you ask me. You don't but he's no, but he's just argued that he's like, I'm not going to call you that. No, he he, he does if say I that he that, will. Like, I think that initially that was sort of his stance, but he made a big stink about it, and yeah. then it's progressed into like this, you know, like Ben Shapiro-esque version of like facts don't care about your feelings. I'm gonna call you whatever, and if you identify as something that I don't agree with, yeah. I'm not going to call you that, which I think is bullshit. It is bullshit, I think. Because like if you you have trans friends. Yeah. Would you ever misgender them, even if Daddy Peterson told you to? <laughs> Daddy Peterson, I would never misgender them because they're my friend. But if you, so if they weren't your friend, if it was somebody that you just met, and they were like, "Hey, my pronouns are he, him, or they, them, or she, her," would you call them by those pronouns? I'd be like, "Cool. What's your name?" My name is X. Okay. These X. are my pronouns. Would you call them by those pronouns? I will call them whatever they want me to call them. Yeah. But they cannot force me to. You can't force me to do anything. Okay, sure. But you like, that's, so like, why are we having that discussion? Because you said that you, like, you would have, like, call them by that. Of course though. I would, because if you ask me politely and I'm, if I'm your friend, of course yeah. I don't want to offend you. So why you. do need, we need to make a big stink about it? And like. Because, because there's assholes in this world that will strictly say facts don't care about your feelings, that, that kind of yeah. mentality. Like, I will call you what uh, biological sex you are. Yeah. This is what science says. Therefore, I'm telling you, I'm calling you this. I don't agree with that. Um, but at the same time, I don't like compelling people to do anything. So I can call somebody whatever name. I can, I can call you Joanne. Yeah. And you can't force me to call you Marty and I'll just call you Joanne from now on. But are you calling me Joanne because you want to call me Joanne? Yes. 
Okay, well then that's kind of a dick move. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of a dick move. No, no, what I'm saying Joanne, is if I'm your friend, yes. I will call you whatever you or want me to call you. Or stranger. Or stranger. Yeah, but like, it's because I'm not a dick. Yeah. And so are you saying that like in misgendering somebody and throwing a big like, you know, fit about like what we can call people is a dick move? I so think so, wouldn't yeah. be Jordan Peterson be thrown and Ben Shapiro yeah. be throwing out some dick moves? I think I. I could see how it would be... <laughs> yes or no, Marty? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. But so yeah. is that toxic to a certain extent? It can be, yes. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, how far do I have to participate in your self-image? Uh, but we're just talking about pronoun usage. But pronoun usage is... It's, uh, it's individual. Anybody can have any amount of pronouns in 2022. Am I I correct? So how far do I have to participate in what you feel and how you feel comfortable living? Just if I say my pronouns are, my name is Kelty. Yeah. My pronouns are they, them. Okay. Which they're not, they're she, her. But for this example, we'll go with they, them. Um, Then I think that it's the respectful thing mm-hmm. to do to call me by those pronouns. And yeah. I don't think that there needs to be much more like, you know, I don't think that there's harm in, you know, identifying people with like how they, like who they are. Okay. Do we draw the line anywhere where pronouns become kind of ridiculous? I'm good. I don't care what you do. <laughs> to be honest, I don't. And yeah. here's why. And I'll, I'll tell you why is because I think that if we leave people alone and if we respect people and we show them that respect, then they can be on their own journey Yeah. and where they end off has nothing to do with me. Okay. And I'm happy for you for being on your journey. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, especially like us as like people who identify as, um, cis, yeah. we'll use that word, which means that you are, the gender you were assigned at birth is the gender that you identify, identify yeah. as in your life. Um, I think that like we have a really hard time understanding where that dysphoria comes from. Is that a mental health issue? Um, I don't really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I don't, I don't think it is like, okay. um, I think it's just that like those, identities have been around i think for a lot longer than we've been having this conversation oh yeah i think that we kind of like we think of like gender issues as this thing that's like very new and very like millennial and very like trendy and very like gender politics Mm -hmm. but really these things have been going on for thousands of years in different cultures in different ways and the way that we think about masculinity and femininity and everything that lies in between and outside of that even has been going on for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And I think for us to just like boil it down to like, for lack of a better sort of like catchphrase, facts don't care about your feelings is ignorant. Yeah. So going back to toxic masculinity, um, does toxic femininity exist and what's the difference? Does toxic femininity exist? I think that... Because um, I've met some very toxic women and I've dated a few. I think that femininity can be toxic. Yes. I, I, I think it can be toxic. I think that... Um, does it exist on the same level as masculinity does and toxic masculinity does? 
I don't know. I think it looks different. I think it looks very different too. I think women are more toxic towards other women mm. than men are to other men. I think men are more toxic towards women. Yeah. And I think women are more toxic to women. From I think what women I've seen. be toxic to women. Yeah. Yeah, I think. But I think a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, like I hate to say like everything boils back to... Um, you know, our misunderstanding of masculinity. But I think like a lot of men kind of create that in women. How so? I think that like this inner competition that a lot of women have against each other and even sometimes internally against themselves Mm -hmm. isn't from a place inherently of interacting with other women. I think it's from their interactions with men and how they've seen men approach women in culture and what men value and what they think men value interesting instead of like actually uh their interactions with like just women okay. i think if like i think what i'm trying to say is that i think that and again like it's been a it's been a minute since your girl's been in gender studies but i think that if women were left alone on an island we would figure our shit out and eventually probably be rid of these like anything that was like toxic femininity mm-hmm. I think if men were left alone on an island, it would turn into a bloodbath. Oh, they don't kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, like, are you guys okay? Like, <laughs> genuine question. Yeah. I'm concerned because I feel like women, like, we're figuring our shit out. We're having the difficult gender conversations. Yeah. We're talking amongst ourselves. And sometimes it can come out in, like, really angry ways yeah. towards masculinity, which is mm. where I think, you know, your initial... Um, quorums with uh, feminism come in where I think a lot of people's issues with feminism come in is this Mm -hmm. like scene where that anger has driven a lot of women and a lot of people Um, but I think that like you know women we're we're dealing with it we're figuring it out we've got feminism we're having the difficult conversations we're talking about ourselves we're establishing you know um, more uh equal understandings and like intersectional feminism between each other. Yeah. Men are just not particularly dealing with any of their trauma. We're not good at it. I think because women are generally speaking more interested in people and they're generally interested in feelings and how to treat others. Men are interested generally speaking in things and objects. Do you think that's been socialized into them or do you think that that is um, sort of like a, I guess we're having a nature versus nurture question here. I think if you look at historical events, like all the power, all the dominance has been men and conquering other countries and expanding their... And conquering other people too. Conquering other people and it's mostly men that are in charge of that and women have been part of being conquered. And so there's that general, like, it's been generations of men doing that that's kind of ingrained it. So are are we naturally like that? Or is that just how history kind of teaches us to be? Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Like we said, I think we said in the other podcast, we're like, are men and women, like, are people born naturally a certain way? Like, are they born evil? Are they no. born? Are they born <laughs> aggressive? Like if you look at a kid, yeah, kids are naturally selfish. You they have can to teach be. them. You have to teach them to share. Yeah, 
you have to teach them not to hit. You have to teach them manners. Um, so that's not natural. Like if you just left a kid out on their own, if they, if they could, take, let's say they could take care of themselves, right. like uh, feeding themselves, protecting themselves. Naturally, I think we're born selfish. I don't think that's a wrong way to put it. Self-preserving? Self-preserving, I think yeah. it's like yeah. uh, the better way of yeah. putting that. Yeah. yeah, so self-preserving, I, yeah. I'll, I'll say selfish. <laughs> I'll say we're selfish. And it's not like, it's not that that's wrong or that's anybody's fault. It's just that that needs to be trained out of you that there are more people on this earth than you. Yeah. And you need to learn how to live in harmony and how to make other people's lives just as good or better with whatever skills that you have. So... Is that toxic? Oh, we oh. already reached that. Uh, so we're at our halfway point. We're going to hold that thought. We're going to take a quick intermission and we're going to come back to this in two seconds. Two seconds. All right. And we're back. And Sorry we're back. about that. That's we're having a little bit of like technical difficulties here, but we're going to pick up the conversation um, just where we left off. Yeah. So where we last left off was my thought of, are we naturally selfish or self-preserving as Kelty? more eloquently put it um i think we are and i think that is a lifelong journey of being taught appropriate ways of living and some people don't get that proper instruction from parents from family members the places that they're born like not their fault that they're born in a certain area in the world yeah where they don't get any of that and it's all self-preserving mm-hmm so we're pretty spoiled. Like I'm pretty spoiled from where I was born, where I was raised. Um, I had really good parents that were always there. Mm-hmm. I had a really good sister. Um, family was always supportive. Nothing traumatic really happened in my life. Where I think, but it's only been these last 10 years where I've seen exponential growth in not being as selfish as I was and being more understanding towards people. Right. Yeah. Do you think, this is just me sort of just like speculating, do you think that we would have had this conversation or these conversations that we have like five years ago? No, I would have told you to leave me alone. I probably would have called you a weird name. (laughs) 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 Something derogatory. Something derogatory. No, it it wouldn't be mean. I'd have just been, I would have rolled my eyes and I'd been like, okay, whatever. Like you're part of that community. Okay, see ya. Yeah. Yeah. And how wrong is that? That's yeah. so bad. Yeah. And I don't know what switched. I don't know. I just think just more exposure, more education, understanding people, have, living through my own trauma mm-hmm. and realizing I don't know what other people are going through because nobody else understood what I was going through. And what I was going through had nothing to do with self-identification. like mm. So it was. I was figuring out who I was as a person, yes, but I always kind of knew that I was, what am I, cis? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Probably. Yes, you are. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I knew that's nothing. I I did not have to struggle with that since day one. Like I always knew. Yeah. And I can't imagine the struggle that it would, like someone would have to go through not knowing and growing up in a, an environment whether your parents are i noticed that immigrant parents can be very like I have, I have friends that are like gay and bi and some trans that are like some of them are asian and they have parents that came over from very conservative uh families mm-hmm. and they have a hard time 
Yeah. yeah. I, but I don't think it's racially exclusive. Like, no. I think that, like, I mean, look at what's going on in Texas right now with, um, if you are bringing your children to, um, like gender affirming therapy and appointments and things like that. If you have trans children and you're giving them like the treatment that they're requesting, mm-hmm. you can get charged with child abuse. I don't, I can't wrap my mind around why you would do that. Isn't that like, like messed up? Like I'm full disclosure. I'm a huge like Bible thumping Jesus freak <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, and so I grew up around some people that had that mentality of you can pray the gay away. Woof. Yeah. Woof. Woof. And that is, it's still a huge part it's a of huge huge problem and it's a huge part of what people think is right and it's in my opinion absolutely not yeah um and especially with the friends and the relationships that i have with people of the lgbtq community i'm like that is not the right way of looking at it um and so that goes back to like how we treat each other and being understanding so do you think part of it is and we touched a little bit on you know some things that are maybe stepping stones to dealing with these issues and everybody having a better uh, understanding of what masculinity can be. Yeah. Do you think empathy has a big role to play with it? Or what, I guess, here's a better question. What um, characteristics would you state as being healthy masculinity? I think empathy Yeah. and being vulnerable. Because mm. nobody, not a lot of men really appreciate how much strength it takes to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of men suppress it. And when you suppress vulnerability, it can manifest itself into very negative ways. And what I've seen personally, when you suppress vulnerability, you start lying to yourself. You lie to yourself, you lie to people, uh, people around you. And when you start telling yourself those lies, you actually start to believe them. And when you believe those lies, they become something that you live. And when you start living those those lies, you really don't trust anybody. And so you've kind of isolated yourself Mm -hmm. all because you weren't, I don't want to say strong enough, but you weren't willing to expose your, your feelings or be vulnerable enough to tell people what was going on and why you're struggling. So I've had one person that was very close to me kill himself. I think it was last summer. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. A police officer. He was a cop for like 15 years and one of the biggest, strongest human beings I've ever met in my life. And if you knew him, you knew he was a big teddy bear when it came around like his kids and his wife and he loved his family. But he was a very uh, type A masculine man and everybody knew it. And he wasn't very good at being vulnerable, except with me and like another buddy that we had our little group chat on Instagram. And we would kind of talk about how we felt about stuff. Like we'd vent and be like, oh, this is bullshit. Like blah, blah, blah. Venting about work and life and stuff. Mostly that most of it was memes and like trying to, you know, just keep each other, you know, laughing and going through stuff. Like I didn't get into this one place that I applied for and I was mad and they were very supportive. And then we make fun of each other. And then one day, uh, we're, we're all at uh, our own Father's Day celebrations, and I'm sending pictures of me and my family. They're sending pictures of them. Next day, kills himself. Oh, my God. 
And I knew he was struggling with something, but he never said anything. Right. And if there's anybody that he could have told, it would have been me and my um, my buddy that we all had that group chat together. Because we said, this is an open forum. Like, you, you can say anything and yeah. no one's going to care. Yeah. Well, of course we're going to care. Yeah. But like, no one's going to judge but you. But no one's no going to judge you, yeah. There's a There was this mutual understanding that you can be vulnerable here and we'll help. And he was just so... I think uh, in his own thoughts that he just couldn't even reach out to us. And I, I was really brokenhearted. I was really, I was kind of mad at him. Like I was upset. I was like, dude, like you knew. Yeah. And so I think being empathetic and showing vulnerability is far more masculine and it takes far more strength than being a shredded like meathead Mm -hmm. and not knowing how to communicate. So. That's my answer. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think that people are one or the other? We're we're masculine or we're feminine? Or do you think we're a combination of the two? We're a combination of of the two. Yeah. I know that I can be masculine in some areas, but I'm very... Like, what is feminine? Like, I'm not a... I don't act like a a female. Like, I don't act like a woman. No, but but like if we're... like, And again, we're speaking in really general terms here. Where it's like... So, okay. So, as a... For me... Like as a a woman who I identify as a woman, but I definitely have traits that are stereotypically masculine. I'm way more confrontational than most women. Oh yeah, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm very outspoken, um, and uh, I have you know, I'm aggressive on the mats. Like mm-hmm. these are things that I think aren't necessarily feminine traits. Okay. But then on the same time, like I consider myself very feminine. I consider myself very creative, okay. very like caring. And we're being super stereotypical here, yeah. but like caring, nurturing, like all of those things yeah. are to me just as important and just as a part of myself as like the traits that are more masculine. But as a woman, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier for me to publicly acknowledge that I have traits of both mm-hmm. um you know of the classic genders yeah and nobody blasts an eyelash because right. they're just like well yeah of course blah 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 blah. yeah as a woman those things are more accepted as a woman coming to terms with like my sexuality which is a a, a journey <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other different conversation yeah. but it's a lot more accepted for me to like be on that journey nobody cares yeah for a man Oh, to man. admit that you have feminine traits, to admit that you are exploring your sexuality, to admit that you have emotions mm-hmm. is a lot of the times completely unacceptable yes. to other men. Oh, women yeah. don't give a fuck. Well, most women don't give a fuck. I mean, like yeah. there are some women that I think are just like, that's not what I want in a man. Yeah. But I would say that there's a lot of women who, you know, especially like as like our friends that are men like we want that for them we want you to find who you are and to explore yourself and to you know not just be sort of like stuck in this rigid idea of what masculinity is yeah i just realized as you were speaking i'm like man i've progressed in both traits but they both swapped Mm. um in certain ways so growing up being fed those images of what masculine men are and knowing I wasn't that. Right. Um, but I pretended I was. But I was also 
soft-spoken. I wasn't very outgoing. Um, I kind of faded into the back and slowly it was a progression of no more feminine traits. I want to be a fucking tough guy. Mm. And then in high school, when I started playing higher level hockey, it like kind of peaked and I wasn't a nice person. I was very arrogant. I was very outspoken. Um, and that's when I started to learn how to kind of pick up girls because that's the ultimate um, type A man thing to do in my, in my opinion, growing up. So I ended up having a lot of poor relationships with women and dating and things like that. And they ended very, very poorly. Like I cheated on a bunch and like there was that whole aspect. And that is very, very toxic. Yes. That's not good behavior. So getting on and becoming a police officer in these last 13 years, I've seen a complete shift of pretending to be masculine man and super like tough, confident, I've seen a switch in these last, these latter half of this uh, of my career, the latter half, um, where I'm okay with crying in front of other cops. I'm okay of showing emotion, hugging people at calls, mm-hmm. um, telling them that I care and I actually do. Um, and I don't know what changed, but I realized I needed to stop pretending because mm. people weren't buying it. Yeah. Or at least if they were, they were suspicious. They were like, well, he's not really like that, is he? And I was sick and tired of playing a character. Mm. And I think a lot of men are, or I'm kind of speaking like generalizing, but I was sick and tired of playing a character and I just wanted to be me. And I didn't know if I'd be accepted by this, these men and these women that are all very confident people. I didn't realize how much they were struggling uh, individually as well. So I've, I've noticed a dramatic shift where I think it's been a positive, where I'm far more understanding, I'm far more empathetic. Like I'm very open with other cops of like, I almost killed myself 10 years ago. I dealt with suicidal thoughts. Um, I cry, I have nightmares. I have PTSD stuff that I struggle with. I'm on medication for sleeping. Like there's all these things that I'm, I never would have spoken about them 10 years ago. Right. Right. And I don't know what it was. I think it was being, I was forced to talk about this stuff with psychologists. And then I realized, oh, like I'm not the only one. Yeah. And then I started talking to another person who's dealing with it and then another person. And then now I speak to like groups of people every year. Our service puts on this uh, program that helps cops that have dealt with like a, they've been through like a, a very high profile incident, such as like an officer involved shooting or they hurt somebody or they got hurt themselves and they need to be ushered back onto the street. I talk to them and show them what I dealt with and how I dealt with it. And I think that was a huge coping mechanism. And, uh, and then jujitsu for some reason completely shifted an entire part of my brain and how I felt about the world and how I felt about myself, like being very, uh, self-reflective. Mm. It kind of helped me realize where I was. And who it could be. Because then I met someone like Haas where I'm like, I look up to this guy a lot. And then I look at other men in the gym. These like stand-up fathers. These very loving humans that are beasts on the on the mats. And then they go feed their kids on mm-hmm. the side. I'm like, that's cool. And then I see like a progression in the women. 
where I look at my wife who has zero background in like any like high level sports. She, she didn't even understand like what explosive movements were. Um, like she's like, I don't know what a sprawl is. <laughs> like, oh honey, Aww. oh honey. But like you see a progression from someone like her who's turning into an absolute savage, like a beast on the mats. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's positive femininity. That's, is that positive masculinity for her? Is that masculine? I don't know. Could you yeah. argue that? I don't know. Maybe. I think at the end of the day, like, and again, this is where I sort of preface the conversation with, because I, I think like, and this is where this podcast I think gets really interesting because my audience is coming from a very specific place yeah. and your audience is coming from a very different place. Yeah. And we're still at the place where we've had no feedback yeah. at all. And we're still yeah. recording these episodes, but like, so sometimes, you know, for me, I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm already having conversations with people about, and have been for years about how, you know, gender roles are becoming more, or not becoming, I shouldn't say that gender roles are, um, destructive in a lot of ways, yeah. do more harm than good. And the more that we can kind of understand gender as a social construct rather than, a um a set and hard fast biological quote unquote mm-hmm. uh, thing that exists the easier it becomes for all of us to function in the world yeah when we don't have these things that we're supposed to live up to which are like unrealistic standards like mm-hmm. toxic masculinity is an unrealistic standard it is you know yeah. as much as it's like uh, also doing incredible amounts of damage to men and women and everyone else it's uh, it's also, you know, it's not something that anyone can live up to, nor yeah. should they. Yeah, and like I, I felt like I don't think a lot of women realize how many men struggle with like body dysmorphia. Yeah. Like I thought that was just a female thing. <laughs> right so right I have a really no. I I just like I have a really interesting like um, little like tidbit about that and yeah. like thing that I think is is relevant to this conversation. So have you ever heard of the term? Um, the male gaze before. Do the you know male what, gaze? The male gaze. No. When somebody says uh, it's for the male gaze, do you know what that means? No. Okay, so this was a term that was, um, it's a gender studies term that comes from this idea that especially in, I think it's in media is where it originated from. Okay. But when a woman is in an advertisement, a movie, something like that, she is there to be looked at and she is there to be a plot device for the men. She okay. is not there to be, you know, um, there for her own being. Right. And so this idea of women being um, portrayed in a way that's for the male gaze, mm-hmm. when you start looking at the world from that lens, yeah, things start to make a lot more sense in media. Interesting. Like think about, okay, so a good example, and it, well, a, a complex but interesting example about um, the male gaze is like Megan Fox and Transformers. Yeah. Where her butt is hanging out and she's a mechanic and she's this and she's <laughs> She's like, a mechanic she's bringing, bringing halter top. Yeah, like, but she's, <laughs> so it's like this like, this like pseudo feminism masked as like a character that's there for men. Yeah. Like even her name is like what, Michaela something? Like yeah. it's a lot like, um, Michael Bay, like her, her name is reminiscent of him too. No, yeah. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So okay. somebody did, okay, this is way off topic, but somebody did like a whole um, gender studies uh, mini series on Transformers called The Whole Plate that is like brilliant if you want to get like an introduction to film studies. Yeah. Um, and they do a whole thing on like feminism studies and like her character. Wow. So there's this idea that um, women are in media to be looked at. 
we're not there to be our own characters and to have our own autonomy. We are yeah. there to be observed by men. So then we get men who are in media who look a certain way and men look at that and they're like, oh, that's what women want. Yeah. Without realizing that like females are not portraying their own sexuality and their own, you know, that's not yeah. made by women. Yeah. That's made by men thinking what women want and yeah. putting those um, those stereotypes and those expectations on other men. I You can see this in even in mainstream media, like news, mm -hmm. where you'll have a male news reporter and a female news reporter sitting in the same room, but you look, if you put a split screen between them, you'd think they were in different climates. Yeah. Like the man is wearing a suit, tie, nicely dressed. The woman is like, where are your sleeves? Like, <laughs> she's not wearing sleeves, yeah. her shoulders are showing. Yeah. Like, she has she's to cross her legs. She's probably been in makeup for two hours. Yeah. And like, like, She's in heels. I thought you were supposed to read the news. Yeah. But you want to keep my attention because you're hot. Like that's the, the male gaze. Exactly. Like I'm gazing at you. I'm looking. I'm staring at you. I'm interested. Exactly. And you see that even like places like Sports Center, there used to be all men. Now it's all women anchors because yeah. they know that the men will stick around and listen because they're, they're like attracted to it. They can't look away. It's brilliant marketing. But <laughs> I mean, you can do better. You can do better, but it's brilliant because they understood the male like psyche of like they will not turn the channel off if, yeah. if they're sitting like this. Interesting. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're gonna look at that. Whenever you look at media, you're gonna be like, is this a fully fledged character or is she just here for like, men to look at? Even movies where they're following a female character up the stairs. It's going up, showing her ass. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. like top down, down her shirt. Like it's, it's so, like yeah. once you start If you were to do it, that with men, yeah. you would not have, like there, it like, wouldn't exist. Doing? They'd be like, what are you doing? I don't yeah, want to, exactly. I don't want to see this. Exactly. Yeah. And so then you got all these men who think that like, you know, the only thing that women want is like big, you know, ripped, no body hair, yeah. superhero-esque type, when a lot of women will tell you themselves that they're, what they find attractive is far more diverse yeah. than that. I mean, it's not a bad thing for a woman to want a man that takes care of himself. That's not a bad thing. But men take that to the extreme and they're like, I need to look like The Rock. I need to look like, what's his face on Baywatch? Um, High School Musical. <laughs> High School Musical guy. Zac Efron. Zac Efron. I was going old Baywatch oh, for a second. Old <laughs> I mean, the the half. Yeah. That's more realistic. <laughs> that dad bod. That's a oh, that's man. a realistic expectation. But like, most men don't realize. Like Zac Efron was very open about it. He's like, that was torture. Yeah. And he's like, I had to dehydrate myself for a week to look like that for a thirty second scene. Yeah. And he's like, I'm never gonna look like that again. And then he got fat shamed for being on this documentary on Netflix, where he's not dehydrated. He looks normal. He looks amazing. Like, I'm mm -hmm. like, I hope I look like that when I'm his age. I think we're on the same age, but like a few years older than, he's a few years older than me. I'm like, he looks amazing. And then people are like, oh, he's fat now. I'm like, are you kidding me? He still has a six pack. Yeah. And he looks amazing and yeah. he's healthy and he's eating and he's not dehydrating himself. But like men struggle with that just as, I don't want to say just as much as women, but they yeah, are far like, more. But than, more than people realize. More than they people realize. Yeah. I struggle with that still. And it's not healthy because sometimes I tell myself, okay, it's okay. You don't have to worry about what you look like, just how you perform. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's good. 
And then I realized, okay, I'm going to go do arms one day. <laughs> or go do a chest day. Like, st- like it's, it's never ending, it no. seems. And that's the thing about, like, where I think, like, you know, a lot of people, um, when we start having these conversations about gender and gender roles and uh, what's healthy and productive and what's not, and when people start talking about feminism, a lot of guys really, like, clam up. Yeah. And they're not okay with having that conversation where it's like, why bish, <laughs> we're doing this for you. Yeah. Like I grew up, not just for you, but we're doing this for you too. Yeah. This is for all of us. Like I grew up my, both my parents' sides were very traditional gender roles yeah. of like mom will cook and clean. Dad will be out working, but mom worked probably more than my dad. Right. My mom's a savage and she's probably the biggest influence and inspiration that I have for being like in an emergency service. Mm working hard, taking care of your family and being a tough, like she's a ice cold, like super tough. Nothing breaks her. I've only seen her cry twice. And it was like nothing that my dad did. It was cause I was sad. Yeah. Um, short story. My, uh, hockey buddy of mine, one of my best friends got into a car accident, breaks his neck. He comes in as unidentified. She works in brain and spinal cord unit. She identifies him. She's oh like, God. oh my goodness, this is my, my son's friend. She couldn't tell me for three days because of the patient confidentiality. She tells me one day, like after like the weekend was over and then I break down and then she just starts bawling. So first time I ever saw her cry and it was only because of me. So she's a savage. Um, and I look up to her a lot uh, and I don't even really know where I was going with that story. But I think that there's some interesting things to talk about there too because it's like, you um, you identify your mom as a savage. And yeah. I'm not your. I, I've met your mom maybe once. Yeah. You know, I from what you've told me of her, she's an incredible lady. I'm. Yeah. I don't. I'm not downplaying any of that. Um, but I think it's really interesting that you know sometimes the things that we we're talking about. Oh, this person's a savage, or oh, this person's this because I've never seen them cry or I've only seen them cry twice. Yeah. You know, like even when we're talking about the people that like are really positive. Uh, role models for ourselves sometimes we're still bringing it back to they're not showing this emotion or this vulnerability and that's why I look up to them yeah and it's only been recently in these last few years that she's opened up to me Mm. and I'm like man you've dealt with a lot of things that you never really dealt with like you never positively dealt with these things that you endured and never really told anybody because dad wasn't good at communication yeah um so it's it's sad because I looked up to her, yeah, because she didn't show any emotions, but was that a positive thing? Probably, maybe not. Um, but now I'm seeing her open up to me because she knows she can trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird when you move out of your parents' house, you guys become closer in some oh, ways. Oh, me too, yeah. Like I hated living there at, like towards the end of the, when it was like 18, 19, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like her and my, my sister are very, positive role models that I have in my life. And I think that's important to have positive female role models if you're a man. Because men can be great, they can be great role models and things like that, but women can offer you something that men can't. And gender speaking. (laughs) Gender speaking. Gender speaking, yeah. So what do you think that men need to pull their shit together? (laughs) We're gonna need another hour. 
We, um, we still got some time. We can do another reset on the camera. Okay. Um, we might have to. But I, I think that that's an interesting, like, because, you know, women, we're, we're having our own discussions about femininity. We're having our own discussions about, you know, um, self-love and vulnerability and breaking out of gender roles. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's a lot easier for us to have those conversations and to play with gender and to play with how we express ourselves and move in the world within reason. I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to say like women have it like easy, but I think that there's some things that like are easier for women to explore than it is for men to explore. Yeah. When my wife and I first got married, Right before we got married, we had to do a lot of couples counseling with like the, the pastor that was marrying us. And then we were offered time with a mentor couple. So this couple that's been married for however many years. And they weren't that much older than us, but there was like a five-year difference. And one thing that really stuck out with me and Corey were like gender roles do not exist in a marriage. Mm. And that... As in they do or they should not. They should not. Sorry. They should not exist. And by that, it's like women are not supposed to do anything specific men are not supposed to do anything it's a team yeah like if i'm home and things need to be done around the house you do it yeah you don't expect the woman to come home that's been doing whatever whether she's working or out running errands and then all of a sudden you're supposed to have like the laundry done the food ready like no yeah. like it's a team so that was one thing that i really like enjoyed and learned in because i was brought up nope mom cooks and cleans because that's how it is. I didn't realize mom just did it because it wouldn't, have, it just wouldn't have been it done. It just wouldn't have been done. It just wouldn't have yeah. been done. And not to spite my dad or anything, but like he was working from like 5 a.m. to 6 o'clock. You really think that guy's going to come home and clean and cook? Like, no, he ate and went to bed. So tired. Mom, on the other hand, they had a really good give and take in like mom worked nights. So she worked from 7 to 7. So she'd come home. In the morning, she would take care of us, take us to school, and then she'd wake up in the afternoon, do all the chores. Dad comes home, everything's done, and then she goes to work. Like it was, wow. it was an interesting give and take. I think, I think she did a lot more than she had to, but that's just who she is. She's just such a giver, and that was, I think, that's kind of manifested in me and my my sister definitely. Like she's she's a teacher. She loves she teaches kindergarten, and so you can see how much she loves helping people and teaching so yeah <laughs> so what do men need what do men need to, do to get their shit together let's pause for a sec okay, we're pause. gonna we're having some issues with our camera which is yeah. why if you're watching previous episodes of this it'll go to technical difficulties for a sec so yeah i'm writing uh, down shit together just so <laughs> bear with us for, we won't forget we're going again we're back thank you so what do men need that's a broad statement. It is. I think it's a difficult question to answer. A, what do they need? You can't uh, find yourself in somebody else. Is, That's very true. You can't just get married or start dating somebody and all of a sudden your problems are going to be fixed. No, you're going to start putting your shit on them and they're going to be taking that, uh, that on themselves as well. So that's toxic right there. Um, and you see these couples have problems oh let's have a baby oh, <laughs> like that's just as yeah. bad or not worse um so for men it's i think it's an individual journey um one i think they need to get uh, get out of their own head mm. um the best way for me for positive progression was i needed to get my ass kicked <laughs> like i needed to get 
a really like big ex- like experience of I'm not as awesome as I think I am. Mm. And what's a better way of, of like re- having that realization <laughs> in a way where it's not long-term right. uh, negative effects? Where I'm not saying you should go to the bar and get into a fight. I'm saying going to jujitsu and getting my ass kicked over and over and over again was so helpful in my self-reflective uh, ability. Right. Where I was like, I got a lot of work to do. And then when you have that realization when I have a lot of work to do in fighting, that means you probably have a lot of work to do in other areas of your life. So I have a lot of work to do as becoming a better husband, being a better like man to other people being a better friend like i have a lot of work to do and i think getting my ass kicked was like a good catalyst for that mentality (laughs) because then i look and i'm like man like this guy beat my ass hoss and i'm like he's not a bad guy like he's so nice to me (laughs) sometimes but like you look at someone like him and other people that you look up to in the jiu-jitsu community like i'm talking positive black belts yes. not the ones that we're talking yes. about that are toxic i look at these men and these women and I'm like they're so strong and they're so powerful but at the same time like they're some of the nicest human beings i've ever met in my life and they're so caring I'm like that's positive and so for me to be like that you can't just be good at jiu-jitsu you need to be an all-around good human being mm. and so for men generally speaking most men have never been in a fight and they think they're better and they think they're tougher and stronger than they really are. Yeah, that's true. And so there's that self like that self like that arrogance, just that arrogance that men walk around with and it's not necessarily their fault. It's that society has told them you're a man, you're strong. Right. You're better than women, you're bigger, stronger, more powerful. Right. And that's not necessarily the truth. No. So that's one thing is men need a good opportunity to have some self-reflection go to jiu-jitsu go to jiu-jitsu honestly i i'm not sure what kind of answer i was expecting from that question was that the answer no (laughs) i don't think that was what i expected i think that's an interesting answer for sure like and that's the thing like i don't think it's like my job as a woman to be like so here's what you guys need to do no yeah i think you guys need to figure it out on your own you know but you guys have to the journey you gotta you can't figure it out on your own. That's you the thing. No, I think you need to talk to each other more. We need to talk to each other and we need to... Being vulnerable is the ultimate, um, I think, silver bullet. It's mm. like learning how to be vulnerable just cuts through all the bullshit. It's true. And it allows men to realize that you're not as tough as you like to say you are. But at the same time, people do care and they want you to be better. Yeah. And... You need to be vulnerable with men and you need to be vulnerable with women. And at the same time, we need to stop with the assumption that women just want big, strong, tough men. Yes. Because some yeah. men, some women do. Sure. But yeah. when they get one, they're like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, that just boils it down to like a very one dimensional idea of what women are looking for in a partner. Yeah. Whereas like what we're looking for is something so much more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that goes to society and to the movies and to Hollywood and things that are ingrained into our brains of women want this. Yes. And this is all they want. Yes. And so let's give it to them. Yes. Right? And Zach Efron, Zach Efron in Baywatch. That's what women want. Oh, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, he's so pretty. So, oh. sexuality is going to be an interesting conversation. Man crushes. Man oh, crushes. Let's talk about man crushes. Man crushes. Oof. What's what would be my equivalent of talking about man crushes? Woman crushes. But I'm bisexual. I guess you are bisexual. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like I feel it's really. I don't know, whatever, again, we're going off topic here and we're assuming a lot of things, but I think it's funny when women are like, oh, I've got such like a woman crush on her. And I'm like, How about, do you? Who do you or have? Or do you have a real crush on? <laughs> who do you look up to that's the same gender as you? That's the same gender as me? Who yeah. do I look up to? And why? Um, are we looking about like people in like the bigger, like in our lives or people in um, like the bigger world? Let's say bigger world celebrities. Ooh, that that's a hard question. I have is. a hard time with celebrities to be honest. Yeah. Cause the more celebrities that are being exposed, uh, being shitty people, yeah. I'm like, mm. I have, I have complicated feelings about celebrity culture. And like, to be honest, like I believe that celebrity culture is going to be something that becomes, um, is like it's not like a fad but i think it's something that's going to go out of style yeah Do you know what i mean i think we're going to look back on this place in history and we're going to be like what were we thinking putting people on a pedestal yeah like we do literally on pedestals like yeah i remember being in the like growing up in the 90s early 2000s like sitting and watching the oscars and watching like award ceremonies and idolizing these like a beautiful people yeah and then now in 2022 you're like oh you're on epstein's island yeah <laughs> or you're a piece of shit that did whatever and you were part of that culture that really was terrible yeah so like the celebrity you're right the celebrities might be falling off the the pedestal which is good yeah. um i've noticed in these last few years that i've stopped looking up to those celebrities and i've started looking up to people that are in my life yeah yeah and it's okay like they're not going to be famous, which I don't want them to be. No. I want, I want them to be successful. Yeah, I want them to I be successful. I want them to, whatever that means for them. But mm -hmm. I mean, like, I think fame is just like a really overrated thing. It's not natural. No. And I don't think it's healthy. Yeah. So I don't know. I have a hard time identifying like celebrities that I look up to because like, I don't know. I kind of just view celebrities as like entertainment. Who was your not... first celebrity crush then? Oh my God. Like, uh, of another gender. Sure. Yeah. Um, Orlando Bloom in Lord of the Rings. hundred oh, percent. That's Corey's I think. Oh really? Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. That's amazing. Yeah. Orlando Bloom. And that's a good choice. Yeah. Which is also interesting too, because, okay. So going back to like examples of like positive men, one of mine that I, uh, I don't know if I had heard somebody else identify him as like an example of like a positively masculine character um but aragorn in lord of the rings i think oh. is somebody that you can make a good argument for as being like a positive um example of like masculinity good choice yeah better than he's... jordan peterson <laughs> how dare you <laughs> he kills people with a sword but he's kind of loving with his wife or the but he's children. like like but he's not um he doesn't have these like macho traits like he's no. not actively seeking um power he's he doesn't he's want put, it no he's put into a yeah. position where he's like he has to take on a, a position of power and like as far as we're concerned as the audience he does it very gracefully yeah. gracefully gracefully yeah um and very um with a lot of humility and he even says, I'm afraid of what the power will do to me because of my oh, grandfather. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's oh, like, was it his so grandfather? Nice. Yeah. yeah. He's like, it corrupted him. He's yeah. like, I don't want that. Yeah. That's pretty, that's actually a good example. Yeah. 
Okay, <laughs> guess who my first celebrity crush was? Who? It'll be the it's the most stereotypical. Is it Pamela Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> Baywatch Pamela Anderson before oh the god. rest of the <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Very of course that kind of. Yeah, that's sorry. very stereotypical. It's very stereotypical. Yeah. yeah. But no, back to like women in my life that I look up to. I'm like in such a amazing position where I'm exposed to so many like fabulous women yeah. who do like such cool things. Um, like, of course, like I look up to my mom, who is one of the most caring, mm-hmm. kind individuals I've ever met in my life. Um, I look up to a lot of people that like, you know, I've, I've worked for who are like I learn a lot about how I interact, how I should, how I want to interact with other people based on watching some of like the women who lead and, you know, are um, in charge of like some of the nonprofits in my life. Like those are women that I really look up to women on the mats, women like Quinn, I really look up to a lot. Who's like an amazing mother an amazing leader and approaches everyone with like humility and kindness that like, I know is like myself. I don't, I don't always do and I wish I did you know so I feel like I've got a lot of women in my life that are amazing leaders and amazing people to look up to yeah Quinn is I remember the first time I rolled with her in 2016 and she was like a two or three stripe blue belt and she beat the shit out of me yeah and it's just she's just this little Vietnamese girl and I'm like what just happened and she couldn't have been nicer about it she's so kind (laughs) Yeah. She's so kind. She doesn't put up with anything either, but she's no. incredibly kind. Yeah, and it's people like that, like women like that, that I'm like, I'd be proud to be around you and be your friend. And I'm yeah. so happy that I get to be her friend and I'm friends with her husband, John, who's just as kind and compassionate mm-hmm. and a beast on the on the mats. Um, my, like, someone that I look up to, it would be similar, like my mom, my sister actually mm-hmm. is someone that I look up to because growing up in a very conservative Christian background, there's the expectation of you will get married at this age, you will have babies and it gets almost culty. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really like that. And my sister was like, screw that. I'm doing my own thing. She went and lived in London for a few years. She went and lived in Korea. Wow. She teaches everywhere. She's a private teacher. She's moving to France in um, in April, and she's going to teach English there. Like, she's just a world traveler. She's single, and she's going to be 35. And she's like, I don't need any of these things that we were told we need. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so happy that she's like, yeah, it gets lonely. Like, of course I want a partner and I yeah. want someone to ex- share this with, but she's like, absolutely not. Do I feel compelled because they said this? Yeah. And I, I found that very like freeing and gratifying to hear from my own sister. Cause we grew up together. Like we're best buds, um, growing up. And that's also something that inspired like Corey and I were like, Ooh, we don't feel that we need to do anything because of what we what we were told our parents say like is i don't like that compelling feeling right and so we, we do our own thing like we like doing jiu-jitsu we like the freedom that we have if kids happen cool but mm-hmm. don't we don't feel compelled and so my sister was a huge inspiration and i really look up there because she's such a boss like she runs her own business she's very similar to you actually oh. where she's <laughs> kind of like outspoken yeah like this is how she thinks this is how she believes you're not changing your mind, but she'll listen to you and then she'll come back and tell you why you're an idiot. 
<laughs> I think that's why we get along because I have a sister that's exactly like so you. So you're used to this. I'm so used to this. <laughs> There's Screw probably up. a bunch of men like listening to this being like, man, I would not listen to that podcast with that woman. <laughs> nope. And I'd be like, good, I wouldn't do it with you either. <laughs> <laughs> I was prepared for this. No, but growing up with a girl with a girl like that, a yeah. sister like that, she was always like that. She was yeah. always very smart and articulate. She excelled. She has like, she's a master's degree. She's getting her PhD. She's a wow. very smart person. And she's always been like that through throughout like junior high and high school. She was always like that. And so me arguing with her wasn't going anywhere. Right. And, but then she made me really understand why she thought the way she thought because she would hit me with facts like you do <laughs> and i'm I just like to. nah whatever <laughs> but, but, but. <laughs> but 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 yeah so yeah my sister's a good i think a role model that i have yeah and my dad yeah similar and then there's like people in, at the gym that i look up to like uh like haas definitely is probably my gold standard of someone that i, I will always look up to and want to be like mm -hmm. just the drive that he has, the, the passion that he has for what he does, and the balls that it took to like go and leave a comfortable position at a big company, but he wasn't happy and he didn't have the freedom that he wanted and doing what he loves, that right there is, that's positive masculinity, I think, right yeah, there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But when he yells at me, that's toxic. <laughs> <laughs> it only goes so far. Yeah, it only goes so far. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that like like being able to um to like stand for yourself in a positive manner. Yeah. I think that that's like a trait that we need to encourage and foster more. And for men that are struggling, it doesn't happen overnight. It's like a progression. It's years. It takes years to learn to be comfortable with who you are and how you act and how you react to things. And understanding why you are the way you are and you have complete control over that mm -hmm. so i learned that but that took 13 years of policing right and struggle and making very bad mistakes sometimes that i still like struggle with like the after effects right so it's a journey and yeah. it's not something you can just do overnight and it's the same thing with anything it, it, it's repetitions and doing it over and over and getting comfortable doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about a lot of this stuff too, especially when we're talking about things that we're unlearning that we've um, been brought up in in the, the society that we're in. You know, I, I don't think that anything is ever an end game. You know? No. Nothing is ever, you know, you, you, you get to that point and you're like, well, cool, we're done. Yeah. No more work to do. It's not like that. Everything is always going to be this ongoing journey. Once yeah. one thing is tackled, there's something else underneath it. Yeah. If you're the best at something in a room, then you're in the wrong room. Like you need yeah. to, you need to go find someone that's better so that you can learn why are they better than me right. at this. So it, it's a constant pursuit of excellence and pursuit of becoming better and being so well-rounded because a lot of men box ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And because that's what we think we're supposed to do. Like, I'm awesome at this. This is all I'm going to be good at. Fuck everybody else because this is my box. Right. When really you should expand and real growth is outside of your comfort zone. And most men get very comfortable in a very small area of their life and are too afraid to go outside of it because they're afraid of whatever rejection or they're afraid of failing. Because most men that are masculine or toxic or whatever you want to call it they haven't failed a lot mm. 
And when they did fail, it hurt them so much, they either pursued it more or they gave up on it. So it can go two ways. Do you think that men are scared of other men? Or do you think that men are scared of women? Deep down. I was scared of... I was scared of women first. Then I became scared of men. And now I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Now I don't care. Not that I don't care. No, but but I'm far less uh, in my own head about it. Yeah. Um, I'm scared of my own um, ceiling. I'm, I'm scared of putting myself in a box. So I'm afraid of me. Like I'm my worst critic. And right. sometimes I guess that gets toxic. Yeah. Um, going back to our chat about tournaments and the anxiety and the pressure that I put on myself. Nobody else put pressure on me but me. Yeah. So most men, I think, are afraid of other men, but they would say they wouldn't, they wouldn't admit it. Right. Um, men are growing up. We're afraid if you're like a cis male and you're trying to pick up girls, you're afraid of rejection. There's no bigger fear than the rejection of a, of a woman that you're interested in. It's not the end of the world. No. Um, And it's also just like, it's just such a, like a limiting, sorry, I don't want to like off track what you're saying, but like to be, you know, in the situation where like the worst thing that can happen to you is a woman being like, Hey, I'm not really into this, but thank you. Like to have, is that the worst thing that's, that could happen to you? They've never said it to me like that. They're more like, ew, gross. (laughs) (laughs) But like, but like, you know what I mean? Like, like the the point still stands. And that goes back to the arrogance and the toxic, uh, entitlement, entitlement. Yeah. I'm interested in you. You should be thankful. What do you mean? You're not interested in me. You should be thankful. I'm even talking to you. That's the mentality. That's terrible and toxic. And women, when they get hit, I don't know what it's like as a woman to be hit on by annoying annoying and it probably happens a lot yeah but does it does it ever feel good is it ever flattering like very rarely like when i'm running but it's like the guy is very respectful like that's when it's like like you know like if you're you know like um like one time I, i was traveling i was in the states somewhere and i was in i don't know like target or something i can't remember what i was looking actually i do remember what i was looking for yeah i was so this was i was in Oregon and I was looking for a lighter Okay. (laughs) (laughs) and um and a gentleman came up to me and he's just like he's like I'm sorry you know you're like very attractive would you like to go on a date and I said I actually I you know I'm not from here and I have a partner yeah blah 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 okay can't remember what I said but I said some version of like no sorry yeah and he's like all right cool just had to ask okay and that was like I was like oh that was a, a pleasant experience, you know? That almost seems rare. That, it was very rare. I will reaction, tell you. That reaction of him is rare. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was a very adult, mature conversation from yeah. all parties. I will tell you for the most part, that is not how it goes down. No. You probably get called names. You probably get sworn at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Men, on the other hand, when we get hit on, we're like, still got it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I've been like... If you get hit on by a man or like a woman, like it's flattering to men. Right. Regardless. Um, But then where's that balance? Like when does it get bad? When does it get toxic? When does it get... With men? Yeah. Um, When respect goes out the window. Mm -hmm. 
you know, when you don't respect my autonomy as a person who doesn't have to be interested in you, yeah, that's when it gets bad. Yes, it you does. know, and when you when you don't respect my autonomy as like a person um, with my own like life experience and thoughts and feelings and emotions, you know, right. if you're approaching like uh, like you can tell when a guy is approaching you um with like something specific in mind mm -hmm. versus when he's approaching you with this like idea of hey i'd like to get you to know you better yeah. which is why that like that one experience where it was like hey you know we should go out for coffee we should you know i want to yeah. get to know you or whatever like it, it it's dating is very rarely born from a place where we don't have that initial attraction to somebody so it's like you can have that initial attraction and that's like but do it in a very respectful way where do you think the because I've when I was growing up and being single and trying to pick up girls, um, I don't think a lot of women understand how scary and how you're putting yourself out there as a as a guy. Like when you go and ask, like genuinely are asking a girl out or I want to be your boyfriend. That's can be scary. Like sure, yeah. Um, and I don't think it gets appreciated enough how vulnerable men feel when they do that. But on the other hand, where do you think that narcissistic, toxic arrogance of a man coming up to a woman and being like, let's, I want to fuck you. Like, where does that come from? An entitlement? Yeah. Feeling entitled to women's bodies. Where does time? that come from though? Where does that I think come from? Toxic masculinity. Yeah. I think it's socialized into them from a very young age yeah. that, um, you know, you need, it's when that rejection happens and the women, whether they are like, sorry, no, thank you, or you gross, or Ew, gross. whatever yeah. like reaction that they have, and a man is like, oh, I, uh, he feels that like that threat, yeah, you know, because his masculinity isn't coming from himself; mm -hmm. it's coming from his idea of what masculinity is that he has to live up to. Okay. So when a woman yeah. threatens that, which is not threatening. No. It's not threatening to like to not be interested in somebody. No. But from this guy's perspective, it is. Yeah. Because he's insecure about who he is. And he's trying to live up to unrealistic unreal standards yeah. of what masculinity is. And so, you know, rejection is like earth shattering. Yeah. And then that's when you get into like these really, like when we're going into like the deep end of the pool of toxic masculinity, when we're talking about like, incels and like red pill black pill and everything yeah. like that you know is this like people that have this ultimate entitlement of women's bodies and times mm -hmm. and uh having this like uh realization that well i don't think they have that the lacking the realization that women are people are there women out there that allow that behavior or at least um they don't suppress it they kind of encourage it are there women what do you mean there? by that like do you mean they're the ones that want to be looked at they're the ones that want to be treated that way are there women like that well i don't think that like you know like it might be nice women might appreciate like um men's attention and they yeah. might uh derive something off of their own worth mm -hmm. off of that attention yeah um is that you know a healthy positive thing I don't think so. Right. Do they, does that mean that they want to go out on a date with every guy who comes up and is like, Hey, I think you're cute. Or just yeah. dance with them at a bar. Mm -hmm. No, I don't know any woman like that. Okay. You know? And I think that there's more like, you might be in a place where it's like, it's, it's scary to say no. And I think that is a very real thing that happens. 
are we seeing a increase in the encouragement of toxic masculinity with Instagram thoughts and I don't think that anything encourages you other than yourself because okay. it's like because here's the thing about like like girls and women um, posting themselves on Instagram um, is that that's like a way more complicated thing. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you might be doing it because it's like, well, men, maybe a man might find this attractive, but you're not encouraging, like you're not actively encouraging right. toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like that masculinity still comes from you guys. Right. Not necessarily you, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the proverbial yeah. man. <laughs> no, just me. Uh, but like that comes from like men, like you guys are the ones that are like setting that standard. Interesting. Okay. You know? Okay. It's the guys that are just like, oh, take a woman s swimming on her first date so you can see what she actually looks like. Like, that shit is toxic. It's a good move. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's not. That's a terror. Oh. I never even thought it's like, of that. No, it's like you've never, like, it's like, are you, are you that? Do you think that women are that? Dumb? Not even that dumb. Do you think that women are, are uh, like... Is that your opinion of women? Is that like, oh, I want to see what she actually looks like underneath that makeup? Because you have no understanding that like yeah. women have bags and, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like our beauty standards are insane. Yeah. I never fully appreciated the, that part of being a woman until I was married to a woman who worked in a salon, a yeah. hair salon in the beauty industry. And you realize how self-conscious women really are, especially in that industry, and yeah. how mean they are to each other. That's when I first realized how toxic feminine, like feminism, like toxic femininity is the first exposure that I had. I think, okay, so I think what you mean to say is like, that's what, when you first realize, like, is that like how toxic women can be to each other? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. to each other. And then I started looking closely at it and I'm like, man, in my own life, like at work, I see women treating each other terribly. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought we're supposed to be supportive of each other. Like, what are we doing here? Um, but yeah, that those, those standards that have been set probably mostly by men are mostly unachievable and not long-term. Yeah. Not long-term yeah. at all. And they're like for a photo. And then I see these women, like my wife showed me photos of these girls at her salon on their Instagram. I'm like, that's not what she looks like. Yeah. Like I saw her last Tuesday. Yeah. And then like, I like, I don't wear a lot of, I'm wearing makeup today. I'm wearing some yeah. makeup, but like, I don't wear a lot of makeup. If yeah. you, if you know me in my day to day life, you have 100% seen me without makeup. Yeah. Um, and like for me, like even sometimes like, who, even though I'm very secure in like myself and what I look like and who I am, I'll even have these moments of being like, oh my God, like, should I look like that? When like, I, yeah, do like, I need to look like that? When I walked in today, I rarely see you in makeup ever. I'm not wearing I'm, that much makeup. So yeah, but like but she's, wearing, she's wearing enough where I'm a toxic man. And I even, I was like, you look nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is my, this is my, like, if you're, I'm wearing like a, like a gray sweater today. And I call it my, my Benny Jesuit sweater. <laughs> Oh, very <laughs> warm. Put your hands in my, like my gum jabbar. <laughs> you don't know what that reference is from, do you? Do you cast spells? What? Can you cast spells with that hood? Probably. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about Dune. Oh, Dune. <laughs> yes. 
That's an all right movie. But yeah. It's so good. Yes. Anyways. It's a good reference. Okay. Yeah. So like, it's like, <sighs> like, honestly, even like, I feel the effects of that sometimes where I'm like, yeah. oh God, should I look like that? Yeah. Shouldn't like my hair do that? Because my hair doesn't do that. Like That's what I love about women in jujitsu is they get to a point where they're just like, well, it's going to get messed up. Why am I yeah. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. And no one in the gym cares. No, no. You're there to learn. You're not there to look good. Um, and I just love that aspect of where that gives women more self-confidence. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They can defend themselves, but they also don't give a shit what their hair is doing no. and they don't left to As look. long as it's out of our way. Yeah. As long and as, as, long as it's not going to get pulled as somebody comes in for a collar choke. Yeah, That's exactly. all that oh, I care about. I feel so yeah. bad when if I go into like side control, my hand gets caught. Oh, it happens. Like, oh, I feel bad too, but like, honestly it happens. We're, yeah. we're used to it. Yeah. Yeah. These beauty standards, man. Both sides. Yeah. Both sides, it happens. How do men get to a point where we don't hold ourselves to that standard? Um, I think that you guys need to have, and again, I'm, it's not my job to solve y'all's problems. Yeah. But I think that you need to have more, I think that there needs to be more spaces where men can have conversations with each other. And I'm not talking about locker room bullshit. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about that because that can be really toxic too. It does. Um, but I'm talking about like, I think that men need to provide more space for each other, for you guys to have those important conversations with each other. Yeah. I grew up hockey, uh, locker rooms, lacrosse locker rooms. It gets rape culture encouragement. Oof. Like there's that environment. There's that environment. And I saw it and I heard it. I was never part of it, but, and then it gets to the college level where it gets even worse. And then I have friends that played pro in the NHL and even they're like, it's bad. Yeah. It is bad. Yeah. And it gets suppressed from the public. No one finds out because their PR team is very good at hiding it from oh, the general public. Oh, that's disgusting. And so... Keep this thought going. I'm just gonna, yeah. but yeah, keep talking. But yeah, it uh, it gets to a point where, what are we doing about this? We're still going on. We're still going. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, like I saw growing up, and I knew it was wrong, and but I didn't say anything. Right. Like I just kind of like faded into the back and didn't do anything. So was I part of the problem? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, if you don't say anything, yeah, whether you want to be or not, you kind of become part of the problem. And that comes with a lot of self-awareness and confidence because growing up as a 14, 15 year old, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, like yeah. laugh along and you don't know how to say anything, even though you know it's wrong. Yeah. And then that, but that when you're 30 years old, you should probably have some experience and some self-reflection and some relationships with women that you're like... Don't you fucking dare do that? Yeah. To well, I think that we should teach our kids that. Starts in the home. I think it starts with the kids. Like, I don't yeah. think that by the time it's thirty, there's so many opportunities that like yeah. have already passed over that you should have taken advantage. I'm not talking about you specifically, but yeah. like where you could have stood up or you could have done something. You could have acted differently. Yeah. Like my mom. Another example is she speaks up when she knows something's wrong. Yeah. And she kind of taught me, and then. I know you don't like Jordan Peterson, but like, uh, I'm going to use him as an example. He said, if you have something to say and yeah. you don't say it, yeah. you're, you're living a lie. You need to speak up. If it really bothers you enough, you need to say something. 
other than other, other than that, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to everybody else. Mm. And it, I see so much truth in that statement. And you have to say something, even though it might not be popular. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes popular isn't right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we've come with, we need to have more conversations. Men need to have more conversations. More conversations, more um, acceptance of being vulnerable, mm. um, being okay with that. More safe space. I don't like the term safe space. But it serves but a it purpose. It serves a purpose. Yeah. Because it get, it, yeah, it, you need to have the gym, crushing, yeah. crushing the weights. Yeah. That's not a place to have a conversation. No. And I think that like we need to, like you need to have an understanding of like what safe space actually means. Because we're not necessarily talking about a space where you're not going to offend anybody. No. That's not what we're. And that's, that's so not realistic. Yeah. Like. You, in order to be able to think, you have to be able to risk offending somebody. Like mm -hmm. I need to have my own thoughts and yeah. they may disagree with what you have to say and I might offend you, but it's not my intention. No, but you need to have a place where you can have conversations and yeah. talk about things. It's almost like an AA meeting where everybody's kind of suffering similar circumstances, but everybody has their own journey and you need to find a place that's safe and that you feel comfortable with people that you care about and yeah. they care about you and sometimes it can be compelled like it can be forced upon you um whether it's like an intervention with family mm -hmm. like family is the hardest one sometimes mm -hmm. to feel safe to talk about because they're like well we saw you grow up why are you thinking this way like we never taught you this yeah so yeah. i found that was difficult but when i was forced to do the programs through my work that showed me how easy it is like it's not, it's not that easy, but it can become very easy and you become comfortable doing it the more you do it. Right. So, and now I just don't care who's in the audience yeah. or who's watching or who's listening. I'm like, you listen up, kid. <laughs> you can learn <laughs> I'm gonna something. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you something from my mistakes, yeah. not the good choices that I made, yeah. from the fuck ups that I made. Yeah. And they were like, some of them were monumental and... I see people in my work and in my life going down certain paths. I'm like, ah, let's stop right there. Right. This is what I did. Don't do it. Yeah. So I think we need to surround ourselves with positive uh, men that are willing to speak up and say what they feel and doing the right things. That's positive masculinity. So those are some, those are some answers that I think are, mm -hmm. are good. Safe space. Yeah. Being vulnerable and just being okay with uh listening so you need men need to all go to tma meetings tma meetings toxic masculinity, <laughs> toxic masculinity anonymous. anonymous yeah yeah oh that's so true yeah i don't know i just and some of the people that i'm most uh vulnerable with are the people that i suffered with yeah right um and that's why you see a lot of communities sticking together like the jujitsu community, when you suffer like through a hard training session, yeah. you understand each other, you respect each other more, yeah. and you feel you've already been vulnerable enough where the person was literally choking you thirty yeah. seconds ago. Well, you're, it's it breaks that physical boundary right away. Yeah, the physical boundary, and like you were up in my business like two seconds ago, like I'm more than comfortable talking to you now yeah. about something. Yeah. yeah. So find yourself a place where you feel comfortable, you feel loved, you feel cared for. Um, then that can be easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Um, a text of, people don't realize how simple it is to reach out and how it is how easy it is to reach out to somebody yeah um, a text a phone call an email like communication is so easy nowadays yeah um, but there's no better therapy for men 
in my opinion, than like physical in the same room, not just over the phone. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we covered a lot today. We covered a lot today. Yeah. Our runtime for this episode is an hour and a half. So if you stuck with us through this whole conversation, <laughs> Good work. congratulations. <laughs> this yeah. was a big one. This was a big one. Were you expecting today to be a big day? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, this, yes. I'm actually hot. Like it's very warm about, in here. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Or you're when like I start talking about like the... emotional stuff, I didn't get too emotional today. Yeah. Like my hands are clammy. I, I was like a little, a little, little shaky at times today. Yeah. If I get really into it, I start sweating and I get like, I, you'll see me shift my, I was shifting my weight a lot today. Yeah. And that shows my, it's my kind of like external body. Like just like I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. But I'm trying to find a way to speak and be comfortable at the same time. But mm -hmm. I shift my weight a lot when I'm like, nervous that's fair yeah i was very fidgety also today so okay and then <laughs> yeah and when i speak about some of the things i did at work i my body starts to ache yeah and i get really tense right especially when i start talking about the climax of those stories and then how i dealt with them then you get that dump of like emotion right so uh it's not easy yeah but it gets easier the more you do it that's just true. that first step it's like walking into a gym yeah for the first time it's scary so I think what we'll do with this episode is we'll drop some um, mental health resources yes. in any of the comments and links. Yep. So if you are somebody who's struggling, if this is something that's like really spoken to you today and you don't know where to start or it's something where it's like, man, I need to get my shit together and I need to start changing the way mm -hmm. that I view myself, um, we'll drop some resources in the links below so you mm -hmm. can check those out. Yep. Um, text your friends, reach out to your friends. Yep. Don't isolate yeah. yourself Yeah. and just be happy with who you are. And keep moving forward. I think that's a good way to end it. Yep. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks. We'll Bye. see you next time.